You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, August 27th, and the countdown to the NFL season is even closer or shorter than it was yesterday because that's how countdowns work, but it is surprisingly close how uh, how soon football will be starting. My biorhythms are all screwed up, and you're probably trying to figure out what to do for your fantasy leagues. That's why Fantasy Week is here. We've got great conversations throughout the week. Uh, Brandon Guptill talking DFS, uh, a.k.a. Gupp. Pat Mayo talking fantasy strategy. Uh, Heath Cummings will join us today. But be- reminder, that, you know, if you like this podcast, you like fantasy football, maybe you want to get another fantasy podcast in your life. You're one of those people who don't have a commute. Uh, you, you really just want a five-minute explanation of, uh, of of what's going on in fantasy. Well, CBS Sports is delivering for you for more than a decade. Fantasy Football Today has been delivering league-winning analysis and advice as part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Now they're coming at you fast with a brand-new feed. Don't worry, the old one will stay the same. The Fantasy Football Today in 5-Minute Podcast is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or less. Five minutes? I can't even do an intro in five minutes. I'm not going to just read in five minutes. It'll feature familiar voices like Adam Azer and the rest of the FFT crew. They're being sold short here. Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, and Ben Gretsch as they break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick-hitting format. Available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. Download subscribe to Fantasy Football Today in 5 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Trailer and feed out now. First official episode drops Monday, August 31st. All right, joining us now, uh, is it two years now in a row that you've done this every week, Keith, where you've, you've taken time out of your busy schedule to talk fantasy on the Pick 6 podcast? A regular. Uh, yeah, only because you let me talk about beer sometimes, too. I tell you what, I, I got three packages of beer that showed up at my house. Wow. Uh, from, uh, from my friends in San Diego, a podcast lister, and then the, the kind folks at Harpoon Brewery hmm. offered to send me a, a, it's like a, I think it's like a quarantine 12 pack or something like that. I don't know what it is, but I have to, I'm, so I'm trying to dive into those. I'm trying not to drink quite as much beer during quarantine because, you know, you get fat, but I'm, it's not working and I'm just fat. That's why I'm not shaving. Yeah. I, um, I've, I've gone a couple of stretches where I went like three or four days in a row without having a oh. beer and that was, wow. that, yeah, that was really a, a new experience. It's terrible. I mean, it's not going to happen during football season, but right. it ha- happened a couple of times during quarantine. Uh, hey, so let me ask you this on the fantasy football today. I actually, when I heard about it on the Twitch show or Azer brought it up at some point, I was like, oh, like, I don't know about a five minute podcast. I will say though, I really do like the idea of a five minute podcast for waiver for like, the waiver period, because I often find that with work and whatever else I have going on, you know, family, it is difficult for me to get caught up on what the extra, and I, and I know what's going on with the waivers for the most part, but I, I you know, I don't, I need, I, I need a waiver podcast in my life. And sometimes I can't get to a y'all's full waiver podcast. So I sort of love the idea of being able to fire up a five minute show where it's like, bang, here's what you need to know. Here's who's being added and dropped. Did you, have you have you guys tested this at all? Do you think the format's going to work? Have you done anything at all with it? And am I setting you up for failure here? You are not setting me up for failure at all. I know it has been tested, 
And I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be really good for not just waivers, but also start sit. Yeah. You know, we go through and break down every game, but it'll be a little bit the, the five minute podcast. You can just kind of highlight the guys we're starting that we don't normally, the guys we're sitting that we don't normally, and then you can proceed with everything else like you normally would. Okay. Well, look, it's a great idea. I know that, um, Eric K, our, uh, our podcast czar is like big and, and, and Debo, our producer here who's on with us. The big into these micro podcasts, they, you know, the emergency podcast, the micro podcast, they, they, they want, they like to, they don't like, they don't like to hold, but they like to flood the market. Well, you as, know? as you said, and I can confirm, we will never, ever ask you to host a five minute micro cast. Uh, instead, but I will point out that unfortunately, Heath, uh, one of the guys you drafted on your team in the Snickers fantasy league for which you bashed me on CBS sports HQ, uh, B minus. <laughs> I don't know why I have to. Like been up about a B like, I, No, I, yeah, and I what I said later in the show, and I, you probably I don't know if you were still watching, but like, how many times in your life have you been thrilled by a B minus? Oh, I mean, my dad would have my dad would have given me a thousand dollars for a B minus freshman semester, <laughs> freshman freshman semester. It's, uh, he would have he would have given me a round of applause, like bought me a round of drinks. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I probably overreacted to that. I think I really I just really liked the team. I went for those who didn't hear. I went Joe Mixon in the first round. Nick Chubb in the second round, OBJ in the third, Tyler Lockett in the fourth, and then Michael Gallup in the fifth. And I just, I kind of feel like that's how I'm going to construct a lot of these rosters in 2020, where I go running back, running back early. And it's, it's counterintuitive to what I've done. And I know what you like to do in, in the past. I just feel like you can get two studs and then the depth at wide receiver is crazy deep. Uh, my, my, the point of this all is that David Montgomery, one of the guys you drafted, went down with a groin injury. On uh, Wednesday afternoon, what's, what's your level of concern for some of these preseason injuries with these running backs? Montgomery, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, um, and specific to Montgomery, who, who obviously got hurt a few, just a few minutes ago before we started recording. Yeah. Montgomery's is the most concerning of those three, at least right now. And that was one of the things like you, you opened up talking about how we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. I wrote something real quick about Montgomery before the podcast and like we're just barely more than two weeks away from when Dave Montgomery would need to like suit up and play a football game. So I do think this is concerning for the start of his season. He is someone that I like in the middle rounds and I think was being overlooked a little bit as the cheapest and latest drafted guy. That's almost certainly going to touch the ball 275 times if he stays healthy. Um, But he's not healthy now. So that takes away a lot of that value. I dropped him down to the round seven round eight range until we get more information. The thing that's really difficult. There's not a lot of information. Well, there's not a lot of information and it would be hard to get too excited about anyone filling that role because the bears, we don't think are going to have a very good offense. They don't have a great offensive line. And anybody that comes into that Montgomery role is going to lose passing downs work to Tariq Cohen. Now Cohen is someone I also drafted in this draft and someone I think is an exceptional value this season. And he would be helped a little bit. Like he's probably getting eight to 10 carries as opposed to six to eight carries if Montgomery's not there. But the next highest running back on this team right now is Cordero Patterson. And we've seen this him offense handle. mess. Yeah. Oh, it's a total, total, especially considering that Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller have been hurt for a large part of training camp as well. And they cannot find like any reason to say good things about Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. The, I mean, I, there was an article out there, and I know it was retweeted by a lot of the fantasy heads, many of whom I follow. I think maybe Evan Silver tweeted or something like that. It was like, 
and, and Evan Silva on tomorrow's show, which is kind of cool. Um, it was like Jimmy Graham is the looks like the best player in Bears camp on the offensive side of the ball. That's a problem. If yeah. Jimmy Graham is the sharpest looking guy on the offensive side of the ball, this offense is going to be an utter disaster. We're sort of sleeping on, I know Kyle Long, the coaching staff didn't want him around anymore. I mean, I think, I think we're sleeping on just how bad this offense could be. I, I don't know that I even, how worried are you about Allen Robinson? Because he, he's somebody who feels like he's overcome so many bad situations to still be productive, you know, outside the one year we had the ACL tear. And yet, I mean, the offensive line stinks. The running game isn't very good. There's not a lot like of a, a competition for targets. I mean, that's the only thing you can say about him. Yeah, I think he's getting 150 targets. And so, right. like, how do you not like a guy that's going to get 150 targets that's sometimes available in round four? Sure. Um, so I'm still in on Allen Robinson. I'm still in on Tariq Cohen, but I'm pretty like, and I'll be in on David Montgomery if he falls even further on draft boards. But that's like, you're taking David Montgomery, hoping he can be your flex. Yeah. Um, at this that's point, that's not, that's not what you want. Right. I mean, you'd rather, like, if you, if David, if you know what David Montgomery on your bench, then that's a different story, but that's going to be, I would assume, kind of tough, uh, to pull off. Okay. So is there any other news that I missed from a fantasy perspective to catch up on? I mean, oh, we mentioned, well, I mentioned, we talked to Pat Mayo about this yesterday. So I'm curious what you think about the Kenyon Drake and the Miles Sanders injuries. I, I mean, I have, I now have a hard time taking Kenyon Drake with a top 10 pick, even really a top 12 pick. If he's, if he's in a walking boot, like I just have a Adam Azer poo pooed me on the Twitch stream on Tuesday night. I was like, he's like walking boot, whatever. It's like, wait, what do you mean? What you get yada, yada, a walking boot. It's a yeah. wall. Like it's, who knows what's wrong with his foot. I just don't see. And this is where I kind of split from the rest of the podcast. I think I don't really see a reason to take Miles Sanders or Kenyon Drake in the first round. I agree. When we've got, like, we know the top five running backs that are going to be drafted as first round picks. There's absolutely no reason to take one of those guys over Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas. And you're not taking him over Clyde Edwards Elair. And I don't like how high high will you take Clyde? I'm still a little bit lower on him, the group, but I'll take him around around the 12th pick. Is that I'm not getting him? Oh, you wouldn't. Okay. See, I would take him at five. Because I'm, I'm, I said this weird spidey sense feeling about Dalvin Cook. Now, I mean, if Damian Williams were there, I, I was with, we were on the same page before Damian Williams opted out. And I've, ch- like, I've not stuck to that. I, I've moved him up to a borderline first round pick. Cool. I don't, like, and this is something we talked about on the podcast and the discussion around taking Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams is framed as if, well, yeah, you're taking the safe points. It's the night. I don't really agree with the idea that Clyde Edwards either has more upside than Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams. I mean, like Kareem, no, those, Hunt, guys, those guys could be the wide receiver one. Like those guys are going to very score more. Likely Clyde Edwards Alaire is the running back one. Right. And in, in PPR, they're almost certainly going to score more points yeah. than he does. Okay. That's fair. So you would still take, see, I think what I don't, what I really don't want for when these, and I've been, I've been, being and moaning about the eighth pick to Jamie every time I get it, but I don't want to be the fifth pick. I don't think. I think five, six, seven, eight is where you don't want to be in drafts. Like one through four, I can make through because I'll get one of the stud running backs and then just see how it falls out coming back to me. And then I, I actually like being nine, ten, eleven, twelve because I think you have your you have like op, like you have options you can sort of work with and how you construct your roster. Like I love Joe Mixon and I'm perfectly fine taking Joe Mixon maybe as high as six. 
I don't know if I'd take him over those wide receivers, but you, I mean, you get the point. Like at eight, at nine or 10, I don't mind taking like a stud wide receiver than hoping I get Mixon or Chubb on the way back. I guess that's maybe I almost prefer to be in the back end. Is that crazy? I think it's a little bit crazy, but I'm not as high on Joe Mixon as you are. If I've got five, six, seven, or eight, I pretty much start the same way every time I'm going well, to. You're, take my- you're doing the, you're going wide receiver though. I'm going Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams, and then I'm taking Travis Kelsey or George Kittle coming back. And okay. I have a top two player at two different positions. Okay. That, that's, that is not an unreasonable approach. And in fact, I'm probably playing into your hand by drafting every, and myself and the Sanders guys and the Drake guys are playing into your hand by taking all the running backs because you get a number one wide receiver and a number one tight end or number, tight number two. Right. Okay. That's fair. Is, is that where everybody's going? Is the, am I, am I, Am I chalking this and I don't realize it? That happens to me a lot. You are certainly chalking this. Okay. Like, okay. It's, um, I'm, I'm, I yeah. think I'm zagging, but I'm actually just zigging, right? <laughs> like I'm like swimming in like a pool of minnows and I don't realize it. Like I think I'm like swimming upstream and I'm just like, all, like floating it, drunk downstream. It's really weird to go back and look at like how round one and two running backs performed last year. Sure. And then recognize where we are right now with the idea that man, you're just sunk if you don't get a running back in the first two rounds because you have to have one of those round one or two running backs. And they were like, it was like 50-50 last year. Right. It's probably Um, 50-50 ever since like 2010, honestly. Right. So I'm not to say that like, I'm very happy to take a running back, one of those first four. I kind of think I'm in the same place you are as far as Dalvin Cook goes. I think it's strange how much James Conner gets discounted because of his perceived injury issues and Dalvin cooks, just a consensus top five pick. Mm. Yeah. I mean, cook misses time. And I love, I love Dalvin cook. Uh, okay. All right. But no, I think look, that's important. We've been, I mean, I think the contrarian stance, I, I don't like to be, I think if you're in, if you're, if you're in line with what everybody is doing in a certain year, then you're probably going to end up getting less value out of it. Now, I, I, you know, we'll, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I mean, you do agree that the wide receiver depth is, is crazy this year, right? I mean, it's, it's bananas. I, I do. What I think where I disagree is I don't dislike the running backs in like the round five, six, okay. seven, eight range. I'm like, if I can, especially considering that in PPR, you can get Cohen in seven or eight. So you can take Swift, Akers, Kareem Hunt, those guys in round five, six, and then have Cohen who you can start week one. And if I've got like, I'm not necessarily saying I'm taking Michael Thomas and George Kittle, Michael Thomas and Travis Kelsey in round one and two, because I want to load up on running backs in round three or round four. That's that I know. I still want to take DJ Moore in round three. I still want to take Calvin Ridley in round four, but if you can start with Michael Thomas, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley as your number three and Travis Kelsey, you can make the running backs work. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good, I guess that was that I've beaten on your team. I'm like, ah, oh, look at this guy. And I'm like, well, you know, he does. I was like, he's got Calvin Ridley on here. And that's his, okay. That's his number two. And then or they did the number three at EG Moore. That's fair. I mean, especially in the PPR. Uh, let's talk about some of your hot off season takes. Oh, cause you just mentioned a bunch of rookie running backs like DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. Uh, you, do you believe that rookie running backs will be bust this year? Everybody we've talked to, like we were having this debate back in May when it it was 2020 was super weird, but we didn't know how weird the rest of the off season was going to be. And everybody we've talked to since then that has actually played football or coached football has indicated that, you know, this off season's going to put the rookie class behind where they normally are. 
And so, yeah, I expect that, sure, Clyde Edwards-Elair is getting a ton of work with the Chiefs and Damian Williams opted out. And so I'm fine with him as a first-round pick. I don't have any problem with it at all. The Indianapolis Colts have two running backs that were perfectly fine. They're a playoff team. I don't think they're just handing things over to Jonathan Taylor. I'm, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a, the David Montgomery of last year. Ooh. Not, not because he's, isn't effective as a rookie running back, right. but because the, where you draft him, you will need him to be a running back one or running back two. And he will be a occasionally a flex guy that you can start. And I think people will be pulling their hair out because in the same way with Montgomery, like you didn't know week to week what he was going to do. And he just had, needed to find the engine to do anything. I think that there will be an inconsistent game plan week to week for Jonathan Taylor in that Colts offense. He might be kind of like a Will Fuller at running back. That, that works, sure. Where, where he's going to have a couple, he might have a 12 carry 110 yard game and I do like these guys more in best ball when I'm not going to have to figure out when to start them. Correct. The one rookie running back I've probably drafted more than any other is unsurprisingly cheaper than the rest of them. But J.K. Dobbins, if he's there in round seven or round eight, I absolutely love getting him. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm probably out on Taylor. I'm If it's round six for Swifter Acres, and that's another thing that's happened is I had the hot take when we when Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift were going in round four and Keyshawn Vaughn was going ahead of Ronald Jones – and Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick. That was when I was just avoiding all of the rookie running backs. Well, it's, it, the math has changed a little bit now because yeah. Jonathan Taylor's there in round four, maybe round five. Swift and Akers have fallen to round six. I'm more comfortable with those guys where they are now than where they were back in June. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Second round is unacceptable for Jonathan Taylor. Like, dude, you can't do that. And, and you're right. It has changed significantly. And maybe that's because people have started sort of changing their opinions. I'm just looking really quickly. The total carries. For and this is including Naheem, 247 carries for Marlon Mack, 52 for Naheem Hines, 51 for Jordan Wilkins, and 49 for uh, Jonathan Williams. That's 400 carries from the Colts' offense last year. I think it's probably safe to project 450 carries, maybe. See, that's the thing is like they went super run heavy last year because they didn't trust Jacoby Brissett. Sure, I would think they'd probably throw it more this year than they did last year. I would. That's. I was sort of thinking they might have more they wouldn't be trailing as much but you're right i mean in fact they even went that's 25 carries a game that's a lot i mean that that's substantial and they even they would even be losing and run the ball yeah because they just didn't you know when brusette got hurt they couldn't trust him so yeah let's all right so let's say 375 carries and marlon mack gets 250 again which i don't think is even conservative i mean you, know, you could be looking at a situation where jonathan taylor gets between 150 and 200 carries his rookie year and that's not, a, and, and he's, and he's right. maybe being outsnapped by Naheem Hines on third down. I mean, that's a disaster. I've, I've got him at 190 and I, I think don't right. think he's going to do much in the passing game as a rookie with Hines on the team. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that makes him a, a borderline number two, maybe in non PPR, but it's not worth a third round pick. Right. Okay. I'm not with you. And I like, I agree. I like Dobbins a little bit more, but I think it's the same situation. You have a veteran right. running back who's been very good for their team. He's on the end of his contract. They're not going to just like, like sit Mark Ingram on the bench or Marlon Mack on the bench and not use him because they, you know, you're going to wear them down on the end of their deals. They're veterans who know how to pass protect these rookie running backs. That This is why I think Edward Solaire is a bit of an exception because he like, he's, I mean, he's newer than Darwin Thompson and, and those guys, but I mean, but yeah, like I, I don't, 
I think the people, the, the undervaluing of the veteran guys is surprising me. Swift might be different though. Because you trust, because you believe in his talent more. I, I just think that the, like, Keisha, Karen Johnson was drafted two years ago. <laughs> Well, well, that's yeah. Karrion Johnson was Johnson. basically the same draft capital as it's DeAndre identical. Swift. Identical SEC running back in the second round. I mean, like I think Swift could be different because Karrion Johnson could get hurt again. Yes, but if Karrion Johnson stays healthy, and then the other thing is, like at least with Jonathan Taylor, if something happens and we're wrong, or someone gets hurt and we're wrong, and he's all of a sudden getting 15 carries a game, he's going to be awesome. Right. If something happens to carry on Johnson, then DeAndre Swift is the lead running back for the Lions. Yeah. And then he's, that, is that good or bad? Is that saying I don't bad? think that's good. <laughs> okay. I don't like, he's good. I, I think he's talented, but yeah. I just don't think, I, I don't know that, I don't think he has the, the same upside if he gets the workload that Taylor does. I, I would agree with that. If Marlon Mack and carry on Johnson both get hurt, Jonathan Taylor will be more productive. Right. Than DeAndre Swift. But, but Swift I is. Think- Two, two to three rounds cheaper right now. So he yeah. may still be a better choice. I, I just think the drafting of Swift was them saying, we don't believe Kerryon Johnson can stay healthy. There's no chance we're going to give this guy a second contract. Right. Bo Scarborough, you know, it didn't work out. And JD McKissick is a passing downs guy. And we, and I think that they felt too when Stafford got hurt and they, and Kerryon's hurt too, that they didn't have anything to lean on. And they're just trotting out, you know, they improved the offensive line. They have to be able to run the ball this year if they want to be good. And, I like the Lions this year, okay. but I, and that's why I kind of like DeAndre Swift as well. Um, okay, another hot take you had. DJ Moore is elite. There's, this is not a hot take, Will. No, yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's a hot take hot at all. Down. He was a 22-year-old last year who put up over 1,100 yards in 14 games catching passes from Kyle Allen and Will Greer. Mm. Like, that is elite. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not sure if he's going to be good or just okay but he's going to be a big upgrade over Kyle Allen. All he needs, in my opinion, for a top three season this year is just to have a little bit better touchdown luck. Wow. I think he's going to get close to 150 targets. I think he might catch 100 passes. He was on pace to catch 100 passes last year before he got hurt. So, yeah, I um, I am all in on DJ Moore. I've got him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Wow. And you and I have talked about this. Like, when you say I've got him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, you don't mean, like, you know, this is not you pumping him up in the ring. Like you, if you have an opportunity to take both, you're taking DJ Moore. 100%. Okay. And not even flinching. So you think Hopkins is, is Hopkins a good value in drafts or you're just too worried that he's just not? He's, he's polarizing for sure. Uh, um, Dave. He's ever been. What's that? It's the cheapest he's ever been since he came in the league. Right. Yeah. I think like the, the difficulty is for me, and I generally come at this from a, a numbers perspective and sometimes there's reasons that that doesn't work out as well, but that's that's the way that I go about it. DeAndre Hopkins, four of the past five seasons, has been below eight yards per target. Pete Prisco has pointed that out a bunch. That he's, What's that? He he, Pete, Pete's pointed out that he thinks Hopkins is declined. Like Pete, I don't know if he's done this publicly, but he does this like on our text threads. He tries to get, like, he's like justifies the the move from the Texans part to a degree. Like he thinks DeAndre Hopkins is might be declining. So. I mean, maybe you're onto something. I don't know. If, yeah, I mean, if I'm on the side of Pete Prisco, I don't know how I could be wrong. Um, but, <laughs> but the reason I, I bring that up is like, I have him projected at eight yards per target this year, which is pretty average for a number one wide receiver. Sure. 
I don't think he's getting 10 targets per game in that Arizona offense. They spread the ball around. That's what, I mean, that's what Cliff Kingsbury does. And they have several other options to throw the ball to. So I've got him at 140 targets, which is still quite a few. Mm-hmm. But you do the math, 140 times eight is like 1,100 yards. Yeah, that's, that's not, it's not a huge season. Now, no. he'd still return value if he catches, you know, eight to 10 touchdowns. You just get touchdown luck and all that. Well, right. And that's the, that's the other place that I come from with this is like, I'm giving him what I think is more than fair in terms of efficiency, but he's going from Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray and everyone's super excited about Kyler Murray. And I think rightfully so. Kyler Murray is currently a worse passer than Deshaun Watson, sure. in my opinion. Yeah, he's, um, he's not as, yeah, he's not as, he's a second year quarterback. Right. So I just, I, I, um, I don't have any DeAndre Hopkins this year. I don't imagine that's going to change. I think one of the interesting, I think one of the interesting things that people don't realize about the Cardinals too is like you think air raid and it's like pass, pass, pass. They actually, they're, they're going to run the ball a ton. They're going to run the ball from passing sets and then Kyler's going to also dink and dunk around. And it's, it is very possible that Christian Kirk, I mean, you look at Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, 109, 108 in terms of targets. Like that may, that may not be a, and, and Kirk played three less games. But it's a possibility that, you know, there's some even spread, like it, like it's distributed evenly, as you point out. And that would make Hopkins uh, substantially less valuable. By the way, Debo points out these are not actually hot takes, just Heath offseason takes, which hot, hot acronym. So that may be my, my acronym riddle brain might have, uh, might have done that. Like Preston, w- Preston Williams, a sleeper. I've almost got to the point where I want to just rank Preston Williams ahead of Devontae Parker to make a Ooh, point. No, that would um, be hot. Last year, before Preston Williams got hurt, he had more targets, receptions, and yards than Devontae Parker. And people say, well, yeah, but some of that was Josh Rosen. On throws from Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was better than Devontae Parker last year until he got hurt. And then he got hurt, and all the targets went Parker's way because they didn't really have any other wide receivers. The thing that makes that so special, in my opinion, is like, yeah, the Parker breakout was great, these were the first eight or nine games of Preston Williams' NFL career. Mm. And he's outproducing and out-targeting Devontae Parker. Now he's going into year two. Everything we've heard from training camp is that the ACL is okay. He's making highlight real plays on the regular, which is just fun. Like, it probably sure. doesn't matter anything, but it's <laughs> fun. And so I think these two, which Parker right now has an ADP right around the end of the fifth round, and Preston Williams is in round 12. I mean, I think look, round, like round 12 for anybody. I mean, if you're getting like a flex caliber production half for half of the season out of round 12, you're probably doing pretty well in your league. And I think it's like also Preston Williams didn't fall in the draft last year because nobody thought he was any good. He was coming off a year at Colorado State where he caught 96 passes in a college season for 1300 yards and 14 touchdowns. He fell because there were some other off the field concerns, right. but I, he may just be better than Devontae Parker. I mean, Devontae, look, Devontae Parker holds a special place in my heart because I got to dunk on Ryan and Sean because he out, he outperformed Sammy Watkins last year. But I mean, I get it. I mean, there's no reason why he took 17 years to break out. He was, he was drafted with Adrian Peterson and finally had a, a first big season. I, I think Preston Williams is a nice pilot. Does, does Tua possibly playing impact your assessment of those guys at all? Or, is it basically, or do you think Tua won't play? I'm, comfortable with saying i don't like that i've heard that a lot that man it'd be great if fitzpatrick could just play 16 games That's and 
I don't know if that's true or not. Two is not going to run as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick runs. He led the Dolphins in rushing last year. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it'll be fewer pass attempts. And I don't know, like everyone is 100% certain that Joe Burrow is an immediate big upgrade over Andy Dalton, but we think that Tua might be a downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. So I, I'm not confident one way or the other, but I don't, I'm not factoring it in. I just, I, I don't know if Tua will be slightly better or slightly worse than Fitzpatrick, but I don't think it'd be a big difference. Kalen Balaj, 74 carries. Patrick Laird, 62 carries. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 54 carries. Mark Walton, 53 carries. Kenny Drake, 47 carries. Miles Gaskin, 36 carries. I mean, that's just the absolute worst rushing attack you could ever toss out. And then naturally, like, Kenny Drake had a thousand yards with, with like, 800. What do you have with Arizona? Uh, he had a 643 rushing yards with Arizona after he left Miami. Is Adam Gates. Uh, okay. Let's take a break. When we come back. We'll, uh, we'll answer some questions from the listeners and look at Heath's outliers for 2020. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay so you tweeted out conveniently on wednesday right before like shortly before we did this podcast that you had a a list of guys that you consider outliers and this is People you are higher on than the industry average. And, we, and I talked about this with Jamie earlier in the week and Pat Mayo uh, yesterday, I think. And maybe we talked about it on the Twitch. At this point, I'm fantasy. My brain is riddled with fantasy stuff. But fantasy football is a group think exercise to a large degree. Like there are, there are opportunities to exploit value based on how industry trends perceive certain players. We talk about Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake. I mean, those guys are going to go in the top 12. Unless, you know, Miles, like, you know, Miles Sanders is missing like a, a leg or, you know, Kenny Drake breaks his foot. Like if they're, if they're looking healthy before the start of the season when people are drafting, they're going to go in the first 15 picks 
And that gives you some arbitrage in terms of guys being able to drop and being able to scoop up some value. So uh, one guy that people might be able to scoop up, particularly in PPR, Austin Eckler. Yeah, I actually, he is one of the guys that I have ranked ahead of Clyde Edwards either Ooh, in wow. PPR. So that's certainly an outlier. And I just think, first off, Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson are not Melvin Gordon. No. The four games that Melvin Gordon didn't play last year when Justin Jackson was there, Eckler averaged 20 touches per game. Mm. I've often compared Eckler to Alvin Kamara because their career efficiency is very, very similar. In fact, Eckler has been better as a pass catcher so far in their careers. And I think he might just be Kamara on a, on a worse offense this year. I expect the chargers to run the ball more. That offensive line looks good. I think Eckler's more likely to be the short yardage guy than a rookie is. So I think the touchdowns come up and a lot of people are concerned about how much his targets are going to fall with Terod Taylor there. I do project he's going to lose targets, but they're probably going to be without Mike Williams at the start of the year. And this is not a situation with Eckler where he got targets because Philip Rivers dropped back, couldn't find anybody to dump it off to him every time. They line him up as a slot wide receiver. They send him down the field. They use Austin Eckler as both a running back and a wide receiver. I still expect him to be the second or third most targeted player. And the last year that Taylor was a starting quarterback, LaShawn McCoy was his best pass catcher. I was about to point that out, but you beat me to it. 90, oh no, let's see, uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, this is 2015. So I guess you're looking at 2016, maybe? I, there. I always get confused with Tyrod Taylor. Let's see. Oh yeah, he was there in 2016 too. Yeah, you're right. Um, LaShawn McCoy. Well, and the other thing I would point out too, Charles Clay. Had a ton of, like, I don't consider Charles Clay a tight end like Hunter Henry. Like, he's no. closer to like Austin, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's more of an H-back. And like, yeah. he, and he constantly had tons of targets. And so did LaShawn McCoy. Like, they fed these guys. Even freaking Car- uh, Carlos Dansby, who was it who had the, he had like 15 targets for the 2015 Carlos, game. Carlos Williams. Williams? Yeah. Yes. Not Dansby. Yes. I mean, like, Percy Harvin, 30 targets. He, I mean, he's closer to Austin Eckler than he is Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. For sure. You know? Yeah. And so I think you see these little chess pieces used by Anthony Lynn offenses in and around the line of scrimmage or lined up in weird spots in this run first offense because he knows they can get open. So yeah, I don't, I would agree with you. I don't, and I don't know that the one thing I guess that people would be concerned with is his, it's like, can he hold up to a full workload? Well, what, what if he does? What, what no. if they give him two, what if they give him 200 carries and he catches 100 balls? But again, this is like the same type of thing we said with Dalvin Cook and James Conner. We ask if Austin Eckler can hold up to a full workload. Clyde Edwards, he layers the same size sure. as Austin Eckler, if not a little bit smaller. Oh, like, let me, let me ask you this. What is the, what is the upside for, for, for Austin Eckler? Like, does he have RB, does he have RB1 <laughs> in him? I don't know that, like, I, for anybody that I'm assigning upside to, I generally just, like, the highest I will go is RB2. <laughs> Because I don't think anybody can be better than Christian McCaffrey has been the past two seasons, reasonably. Um, I think the upside's Alvin Kamara. Like, I would be fine. It's what he does, and it's what Eckler's been when he's got the football. So, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Eckler has more rush attempts than Kamara this year. So the upside is maybe, is it 2017 Kamara? T- I don't know. He's not going to score 14 rushing touchdowns. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I think it's probably 2017 Camara with more rush attempts. 
And a lower yard per attempt. Right. Yeah, he's not going to average I mean, six yards per carry. But but, it, but if you get that in the second round of a PPR draft, right. and you, it, it, God forbid, you hit, like you grab Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams or, you know, whoever it is in the first round, like you, you're cooking with gas out of the gate. Okay? For sure. All right, you're talking me into it. Um, a couple of wide receivers. We mentioned Calvin Ridley, uh, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Lockett. Some, I, I don't know that. I don't know how these guys fit. I guess Calvin Ridley is the guy that everyone's expecting to take a leap. Yeah, well, I was surprised that I was because I think he's like everyone's break. Everyone that has done a breakouts article this year has put Calvin Ridley in the breakouts article. It's, it's but, because you have to find a wide receiver who doesn't have a thousand yard season, but is right. like likely to do it. And Ridley just he's third year wide receiver. Oh well, offense fits the bill. It's cheating too because Calvin Ridley broke out last year. He just right. only played thirteen games. Right. Exactly. He was a number one fantasy wide receiver from the time they traded Muhammad Sanu. And this is a dirt cutter offense. They're going to throw the ball 600 times. Their defense probably stinks. Their defense. Well, and even if it doesn't, they're playing Drew Brees and Tom Brady four times and they're playing indoors. And like, I just think they're going to score a ton of points. Adam Azer always likes to talk about how Atlanta's defense was actually a lot better in the second half. And he's right. The funny thing is their defense got a lot better and they won a lot more games and they still threw the ball 40 times a game. Dirk Cutter is, I, I believe has never been outside the top five as an offensive coordinator or head coach or just when he's the play caller outside right. the top five in, in passing attempts. Like he just throws the ball. It doesn't matter whose quarterback is and James, Matt Ryan, whatever. Like I, I don't think this will happen, but I think there's Chris Godwin upside for Ridley this year. Okay, that's and my expectation is that Julio's a top five wide receiver and Ridley's a top ten wide receiver. So you have no problem with the Julio Ridley stack? I no, I have no problem just stacking the entire Falcons pass offense. Really, I, I have a theory that if you draft only Falcons and Cowboys, you might win your, your fantasy league. Yeah, I. I would like to have a different second running back, but besides that, I think I'm good with it. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't want Gurley. I don't know if you know this. He was a first round pick. The Falcons have 11 first round picks on offense. I don't know if you heard this. Well, but not 11 first round picks starting on offense, right? Because Justin, no, 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 they're, they're going to be wide receiver set, so you have Laquan Treadwell out there. So it's 11. He's not starting over Russell Gage. No, that's my whole. That I have. <laughs> I hate the fact that they do this. You're like, we have 11 first round picks. It's like, okay, look. I don't need to go on this rant again, but it's like Gurley was like, it's like dumped by the Rams. You traded a second round pick for Hayden Hurst, who was, by the way, was drafted before Lamar Jackson. Don't get me started on that. Matt Ryan was taken 25 years ago. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Laquan Treadwell, grow up Falcons from social media. What are you doing? They're pretty good at their job though. They're good at the job. Uh, okay. So lock it. I, I lock it to me is a no brainer fourth round pick investment. I, I don't think I've seen him going earlier than that. It feels like you get him for the fourth round, fourth or fifth round almost every time. He's crazy efficient. His numbers dipped late in the la- latter part of last year. I think he was kind of banged up. I don't know about Cooper Cup. He worries me a little bit, and they need to get back to doing what they were doing on offense because we saw him come off the field some last year. Yeah, that was like, he's the one of that group that I'm probably most concerned. Like I continually move he and Robert Woods closer to each other. Who's, who's um, higher? I have cup higher. Oh, I, I would have Woods. And I am generally the touchdown regression is going to happen guy, but it's been pretty clear throughout Robert. Like at some point you get to a point where it's like, well, that guy's just not going to have an eight or nine. Robert Woods just doesn't catch touchdowns. He just, and Cooper Cup certainly does. Like, 
they get into the red zone and that is where Jared Goff goes with the football. It's him or Tyler Higby. So yeah, Cup's the one I'm probably most uncomfortable with amongst those wide receivers. And something did happen to Lockett. I remember mean, when he was hospitalized after yeah. that San Francisco game and think, but at before that game, he was a top five wide receiver in fantasy. He yeah. had been hyper efficient in his entire career. And everyone said when Baldwin left, was going to get more volume and he has to lose that efficiency. He really didn't. In NFL history, there are two players that have averaged at least 9.9 yards per target. Tyreek Hill and Tyler Lockett. That's insane. And he's available in the fourth round. Right. Would you, would you take him in the third or would you, I mean, I think you wait, right? I don't think you have to take him in the third. Like yeah, I, but- there have been some times where I did because there was somebody behind me, like Ben Gretsch or somebody that might take him. But yeah, it, you mostly you can let him go to the fourth. And you can pick up like a Ridley or a Kenny Galladay, mm-hmm. one of these guys who could has a monster season in them. And then you add a lot, like if lot, that's the other reason why you go to your build. Uh, if, now I've been really talking for 35 minutes. I've talked myself into your team being better than mine. <laughs> but like, like you go Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams and then Kelsey or Kittle. And then you, th- and this is sort of my point too is like, I almost think with the team that you had, I would have quadrupled down on wide receiver and you go with like Galladay in the third. And then lock it in the fourth or, you know, you know, and, and you come away with it. It's like just find two slappies that you can throw in there. Now it's different if it's non PPR because you do have to worry, you know, you have to. Right. Sure. You know. Totally. Well, it's totally different non PPR. And we did a, a salary cap draft yesterday. That's nice work. That was two wide receivers. Hey, what are, what's the team? Who's the, what's the team in Washington? What football team is it? The football team. <laughs> okay. Good. You're, 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 ready, you're ready for the season. You passed the Thank tap. you. Um, and. It was, you could only, you only had to start two wide receivers. That's totally different math there as well. Right. Um, but if you're starting three wide receivers and probably four with a flex and it's full PPR, then I really like that, uh, that strategy. That build. And, and again, with these running backs going early and what's going to happen is when all those running backs go early, anybody who took like a, a wide receiver, or the other tight end is going to probably panic and take Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. Maybe I'm, you know, I mean, you're going to see those guys go. And if you want to go no wide, no running back, zero running back, you have a chance to get a loaded squad. Just have to figure out the running back position. You've, you've got to hit on one of like Chase Edmonds, Alexander Madison, Tony yeah. Pollard, Darrington Evans, that, and a, a name that should be in that group that doesn't usually get mentioned is Latavius Murray. Because Ooh. I don't know if you remember what he did last year when Alvin Kamara missed two games, but he was incredible. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And you actually have Chase Edmonds and Antonio Gibson on this list. Would you throw Lat Murray on there as well? Well, I, I like my ranking is pretty close to what the consensus is. Okay. But yeah, I um I am definitely uh, looking towards him when I'm when I'm looking for lottery ticket running backs, and he's available usually in round ten. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's and even if you don't do that build, even if you go with straight running like running backs early, you still need to take flyers at the position. Like, don't assume that you're, as, as you point out, Heath, don't assume your first and second round picks are going to pay off. Right. The value. only time I don't do that is, and it was several, I've only done this once this year in our mocks, but we had to talk about it a lot because it's so weird for me. I took three running backs with my first three picks, mm. and I only took one more running back in the next 12 rounds because if those guys get hurt, my season's over anyway. Like, you're just, it's a, uh, it's a big swing, but I think you only do that from the front of the draft and only yes. if like Nick Chubb, James Conner, those guys, Aaron Jones fall to you in round two and three. And, and I think if like, like if you go 
McCaffrey at one, and then it comes back and there, there's like there, the wide receiver has just been, you know, wide receiver position has just been drained. Right. The, t- the two tight ends are gone and you don't, you know, you don't want to go Zach Ertz and I don't know if you want to go Zach Ertz and Calvin Ridley at the top of two and three. I'd much rather go Aaron Jones and James Conner. Right. And just load up on running backs and then circle back through with the wide receiver depth. Right. I think you'll feel good about your roster there. And that's, we think it goes back to the point we talked with Pat Mayo yesterday. Don't go into the draft knowing how you're going to draft. You have to be willing to adjust based on what is presented to you live in the draft room. We call that snips. Yeah, that's right. What is snips Seriously, mean? no intentional positional strategy. Uh, there you go, snips. Um, you get a vasectomy sponsor for, uh, yeah. Dr. Snippet sponsors snips. Um, John o. Smith, you have on here in Gardner Minshew. Our love affair with Gardner Minshew is long chronicled. I mean, he's going to play for a crappy football team that's going to be behind. And he runs the ball well. You have to throw the ball a ton. Uh, it's a, and they can't stop raving about Lavisca Chenault. Mm. Like they love that guy. They've got like they added Chris Thompson and Tyler Eifert, which is kind of like LOL. They're going to combine for six games, yeah. but they're also massive upgrades over the pass catchers he had at those positions last year on an sure. efficiency basis. DJ Chark is a very good number one. He's going to throw the ball six hundred times. And his offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, got three straight top five fantasy seasons out of Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins. That's that's not not impressive. I like Jay Gruden is underrated in my opinion. Uh Johnny Smith, I think I've been on Johnny for a while now. They they give him carries as a tight end. He's crazy athletic. He's there's a group of tight ends, Ian Thomas, Johnny Smith, uh, who else is on the back end there that you can sort of like I think that Dallas Goddard maybe. It's Her- Chris, Her- Chris Herndon. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Herndon for sure. He's, he's popular now too. One of the, like, if, if you don't get Kettle or Kettle or Kelsey, uh, Kelsey or Kittle, if you don't get one of those two guys or e- even market, like if I don't get Ke- Kittle or Kelsey, why am I struggling with that? I'm probably going to go with a Tyler Higby or somebody else and then grab a Janu or a Ian Thomas and hope I get a breakout from that rather than pay for Ertz or pay for Andrews personally. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that John is second on that team in targets. And yeah. as much as the Titans want to run the ball, I do think they're going to be forced to throw it a little bit more this year. He really kind of took off last year once Ryan Tannehill took over. And basically, any time Tannehill threw the ball more than 25 times, John o. Smith was good in fantasy. I think he'll have to do that more this year than he did last year. Okay, love it. All right, let's get to some listener questions. Reminder, Heath will be joining us all season long, once a week, you poor bastard. Uh, if you want to ask questions for fantasy, you can do so on our Facebook uh, Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com, search for Pick 6. We can leave a five-star review. So if you have a draft coming up and you want to ask us questions that we will get answered for you, or you have questions in season that you want answered, you can get use those two uh, vehicles to do so, and we'll ask them uh, each week on this show. This is from TJ Robinson. Hey, all. I'm in a two-quarterback league, one point for 50 passing yards, one point for 20 rushing yards, five points for passing touchdowns, eight points for rushing touchdowns. This is bizarre. Eight points for rushing touchdowns. All touchdowns over 50 yards are double the TD points. No negative points for turnovers. What is this madness? Mahomes or Lamar with the first pick? I'm torn because Jackson will have better rushing numbers, but Mahomes had way more TD passes that were close to 50 yards. Those 50-yard TDs are a game-changer in my league. I really love, hate this question and league. I love it because, (laughs) like, 
we're going to play in 450 fantasy leagues this year, Will, and it's nice to have one that's different. I just, I know, right? Like I, I'm in every type of league, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm flummoxed by this draft setup. I hate it because all the stuff I said about numbers earlier, you can just throw out the window. A lot of those things, you're just not that predictable. So I do think the difference between rushing and passing touchdowns and rushing and passing yards is big enough that I would prefer Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I, I agree with you there. And I think that when you assume 50-yard passing touchdowns, like that's that's tough to predict in a game script. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is going – I would – I would expect Mahomes is going to have more of those than Lamar Jackson, but it Lamar might could be have like a few, two more. So right. I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. And it could be even a thing where Lamar has more fifty-yard passing touchdowns, but Mahomes has like five more forty to forty-nine, right? You know, yard passing touchdowns. So I think the, the variance there—you take the rushing yards and go Lamar Jackson. Chase Savage asks, which players entering their second or third year are you expecting to have the biggest increase over previous fantasy production? I will say that Calvin Ridley qualifies for sure. Yeah, I would say also DJ Moore would qualify. Um, DJ Chark is one who would qualify. Do we have any? Uh, Preston Williams. Preston Williams. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we had somebody that was not a wide receiver. Um, uh, I'll throw Cortland Sutton, too. Cortland? I don't know if he'll be that much better than he was last year. Gallup? No? Yes? I think Gallup's probably about the Gallup, same. Gallup and Sutton are, in, are, are similar because I think they'll be very productive, but I do worry about their situations for various reasons. The, the other the other target hogs in Dallas and in Denver, and then the quarterback in Denver as well. Oh, Chris, running or, back, for sure, Miles Sanders. Okay. I would have said David Montgomery before today, but um, no. A lot of people would say Ronald Jones. Yep. Um, quarterback Kyler for sure. Yep. And I would say Minshew. Not Lamar. Not Lamar. I don't think he's going to be any better than he was. Um, I'll say Damian Harris. Yeah, I've got mixed emotions on on that one, but especially with Sony Michelle coming off the pup today. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't helpful to my hype train. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Next question from Michael Gray. Have Adam Sizer on and make him, it's Adam Major, make him explain to you his quote, quarterbacks lose value in Superflex slash two QB leagues theory. I haven't heard that. It's, it's not that quarterbacks lose value. It's that Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson specifically lose value because you start more players. So their impact isn't as big. That's the stupidest thing. It's not the stupidest thing I've ever heard because no, no, he's got a long list of them, and you can find those on my Twitter account. You know, yeah, we read. No, we, you know, uh, you don't know this probably, but we read the entire list of those things on this podcast at some point this off season That's because I was talking about it, and Wilson and, and every, Wilson and Breach and Sean were like, "What? What is this stuff with Azer? Like, I've never really heard of that bad of a take." I was like, "Hold on," and I went to your Twitter account and started reading. They're like, "Oh my god, what's the matter with this guy?" I actually heard a good Azer take on the Twitch stream. On uh, Tuesday night, I said, Dave, Dave got up and was walking around. I said, Dave, I started singing Dave on the run. And Asia was like, I love that song. Talking about band on the run by wings. And I was, I don't I mean, I, I love, I love the song as well. I'm just surprised with anything I like if Adam also likes it because he, the things he likes are terrible. Yeah. And he hates the Beastie Boys. So who could hate the Beastie Boys? Imagine. Yeah. Um, but to, that point doesn't hold water because in, 
In fact, it may hold less water because now the difference between the – so you have to start 24 quarterbacks in a two-quarterback league. Right. They are immensely more valuable. Right. Um, yeah, the, no question about it. They should be probably taken second and within the top six, depending on scoring format. Sure. Uh, this is from Brandon to Puma Silva. What are Will and companies or Will and Heath's thoughts on stacking in season long fantasy drafts? It's a near must in best ball leagues. And I like it, but don't love it in just regular playing your own opponent week to week redraft leagues. I, I think it's fine depending on what you do. If you're like one thing I want to do before this draft season's over, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I really wanted to get a Tyree kill in the first Travis Kelsey in the second Patrick Mahomes in the third stack. Right. Um, because like that might just make your team unbeatable from weeks 14 through 16. Uh, right. Put, I mean, if you stack the Falcons or and when I say stack, I don't mean like five Falcons as we discussed earlier. Right. If you have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, you might think, "Oh no!" Every time Calvin Ridley catches a ball, I, you know, Julio won't get any points, and that hurts me. But in reality, every single point in the Falcons' passing game is yours, basically, and that's going to be yeah. like that's just a you're going to have a lot of volume. And now I don't know that you want like you wouldn't want would you want Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones without Matt Ryan? I I don't really know. Yeah, I don't think so either. I would prefer to have uh, Ryan if I had those two. I, my favorite one to do it with, and you said it earlier, is the Cowboys, just yeah. because they're a little bit cheaper. Um, Cooper, you can get in round four a lot of times. Gallup's not going to round six or seven. CD Lamb's there in round nine. And sneak and so back you, in there. And just, are you yeah. going to go Zeke in the first? I have no problem with it. Like it I mean, you're, you're going to get 30, as I pointed out yesterday, you're going to get 30 real points per game. Great. Um, all right, let's see. And finally, Craig Gwynn asks, good punishments for fantasy losers. Also still waiting on my Brinson Sucks hat. Uh, as, as far as the Brinson Sucks hat goes, it's somewhere in my house. It's not up here in my office right now. But um, I am told that we can produce more. If people think those will sell, I guess I could line CBS pockets with Brinson, with Brinson Sucks hat money. That seems like an HR violation, but whatever. Uh, if you want a Brinson Sucks hat, let us know on Twitter or the Facebook group or something. We'll see what we can do. Um, I don't, we don't really punish fantasy losers in my leagues. I mean, it's enough of a punishment to be terrible at fantasy football. Yeah. Um, but I know I've heard some, like, I think the one where you have to go to a restaurant and have an entire meal with a blow up doll is a pretty good one. <laughs> um, I, you know, I will say I spotted this at my, my son's preschool a few years ago. And I was driving through the parking lot picking Robbie up and I saw this, uh, gigantic unicorn, like, like rainbow flowing clouds bumper sticker said, I lost my fantasy league. And I, I put it on Instagram. I started to get blown up. They're like, yo, I'm in that dude's league. Like he is humiliated. You're crushing him. So the guy used to drive around for a year with a, I, lo- I, like I suck at fantasy. Bumper sticker, like big, it's a bit like, I mean, like talking like the size of somebody's head sticker on the back of his car, like you notice it. And so that's, that's pretty solid. I like that. Yeah. Those are both good. Yeah. Um, all right. Any beers that you've had that you would, uh, it's, to talk about? 
I haven't like it's been tough because a lot of the uh, breweries down here like had to close down completely. weren't even able to do oh, yeah. anything for a while. Um, but I did. What talk about yours, and I will uh, I'll give mine. Well, uh, so my friends at uh, out in San Diego, uh, Darren Smith and Marty Caswell, do uh, the radio show, the iHeartRadio in uh, in San Diego, Extra thirteen sixty, maybe. They send me a bunch of beer. They send me beer for doing radio hits, which I guess is legal. And uh, I got a bunch of Belching Beaver IPAs. Uh, hop uh, was it? Uh, it's a it's a play on haters gonna hate. Hopper's gonna hop. That's not right. Haze, Hazer's gonna haze. Hazer's gonna haze IPA from Belching Beaver that was really good. Um, I, I, you know, I've been drinking a lot of Coors Light lately because I've been playing tennis and at the pool. So I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards Coors Light when I'm doing that. So if Coors Light wants to sponsor this podcast, uh, by all means, well, you know, I haven't had any stouts lately, although I will say, Heath, that at Total Wine last week, there were crates of CBS sitting out. Ooh. Yeah. That's exciting. I, um, I went back to Kansas City in June. Love so it. we haven't talked to you since last year. So this will work. Um, fringe beer works in Kansas City was really, at least on that area. Doc Myers snake oil was a black IPA. And you know that I will promote anybody that makes a black IPA. <laughs> I wish Maybe everybody would like if one person would just mass produce one, that'd be fantastic. I would <laughs> buy all your beers. And TD Tawson, Patrick Mah- Mahazy. Patrick Mahazy. I like Patrick Mahazy. From uh, Diametric Brewing. Those were both fantastic. All right. Uh, if you have good beers that you want us to check out, maybe test, try, you can send them to us. Of course, we'll, um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll go out and purchase our own. Uh, or, you know, you know, whatever. We'll drink beer for you during the season. Uh, Heath, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for doing it. Excited for the year. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. We'll see you next week.